Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Point Reyes National Seashore is one of the nation's gems, a narrow spit of land in the far west of Marin County. It's known as one of the most beautiful places in California, a truly unique place on this earth. But the deal that the government struck to create the park came with a catch. The ranchers who owned the land that was purchased to create Point Reyes also were able to continue ranching long into the future. And that dual use continues to drive controversy. Now there's a new decision coming down the pike that environmentalists hope will stop Point Reyes ranching, while the ranchers obviously would like to continue doing their business. We know this is a hot-button topic in Marin, and we want to hear what you think should happen. Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Joining us to talk about the show is Will Houston from the Marin Independent Journal. Welcome, Will. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming on. Can you catch us up on what the Interior Department is really deciding now and the, and the park and where this comes really in the history of this deeply divisive issue? Yeah. Well, there are about 423 national parks in the United States, and they don't allow for commercial activities like blogging, mining, oil and gas drilling, and really only a handful will allow private ranchers to rent land on national park property for cattle grazing. And Point Reyes has allowed it since President Kennedy established the National Seashore in 1962. And uh, supporters are saying that dairy ranching is an important part of the history of West Marin. It's woven into its cultural fabric with some of the ranches dating back to the 1850s and 60s, and that they should be included in the park and continue to operate. But there's also been increasing controversies over whether the ranchers and the cattle are harming the wildlife and the landscape out there. So it really comes down to this larger debate on whether private agriculture should be allowed on public protected lands. And now that's all coming to a head with this upcoming decision uh, by September 13th by the National Park Service and Interior Department on how they manage the ranches and the wildlife, including tule elk within the park. Mm. And so it, it really seems like the 
the hot part of this issue is the tule elk, right? Because there are several different herds that are there, and some of them will be culled, that is to say killed, if uh, if the Park Service decides to continue with ranching. Is that correct? Uh, yes, they're proposing to shoot and kill some of the tule elk uh, within the park. And what's really rankled environmentalists and animal welfare activists about this is, well, tule elk are only live in California and Point Reyes is the only national park that tule elk are found at. And they really represented an, uh, an environmental success story because they were once nearly wiped out from the entire state, including Point Reyes and uh, driven close to extinction. Uh, and they were reestablished in the park in the 1970s. Um, and since then, there's been several herds that have, they have now have three herds in total. And, uh, but there's also been conflicts with some of the ranching activities out there among the free roaming elk, uh, whether or not it's damaging ranch property, uh, livestock, and, and important for the ranchers is the forage grasses for the elk to eat those, it might threaten their organic certification. Huh. So the idea by the park service is to shoot some of the elk to, to control their population since there are no natural predators within the park. So that way it controls the population. And, and the state does this on, uh, through hunting tags outside of, of course, the national park area. Um, so they see that as a, as a way to control the herds. Is there another option here? Like, could the Park Service make a different decision that would end ranching, say, or allow the tule elk to, you know, continue to to grow in size of population? Yeah, the, the National Park Service, uh, as part of its review of uh, this management plan for the entire park, they listed several different options in the park. And some of those did include phasing out the ranches entirely which is an option that many environmental groups and many opponents of the, the ranching activities are, are advocating for. There was also other options, including removing all the elk from the park. Um, but the park is saying that this alternative that they're, they're considering to allow the ranchers to continue working there and to, to kill some of the elk within the park is, is striking the balance by preserving both the natural resources in the park, but as well as the cultural resources, which the park uh, includes ranching as part of. Hmm. So how was this decision made and was there sort of public comment and where did those public comments sort of come down in the scheme of this thing? Yeah, yeah. So this this plan is a long time in the making. It's it's now spanned three presidential administrations. It's involved legal battles and um, it really updates this management plan that, that hasn't been updated since the 1980s and how it manages about 28,000 28, acres of ranching the 600 tule elk within the park and all of its other natural and course of, uh, cultural resources. And uh, so this, this really, uh, the plan actually itself was released in the last couple of years here. There was a, there was a public comment period that happened. Uh, the park picked its preferred alternative to give ranchers longer leases in the park and to cull some of the tule elk there. And uh, the park service received thousands of comments and the majority, the vast majority, uh, including a study that was done by some of the opponents, was that they were in opposition to this plan entirely. Hmm. Uh, they did not believe that they say that the park is prioritizing the interests of private agriculture over the protection of natural resources on a national parkland. So who politically is behind the ranchers then? Right now, um, our congressman out here, Congressman Jared Huffman, uh, has been in support of the ranchers as, as well as Dianne Feinstein as well. And there's been multiple instances uh, of Congress um, working to support these ranchers 
in recent years. Um, a 2019 spending bill uh, by Congress actually had a statement of support for the Point Reyes ranching, calling them both uh, ecologically and economically important. And uh, Congress also established historic status for some of the ranching facilities that are out there. Um, Congressman Jared Huffman had introduced a bill that ultimately failed, but that would have worked to preserve the ranching within the park. Um, so they, those are two of the main players at this point, at least in the local level. Yeah. Uh, listener Ken writes, ranches generate a significant amount of pollution and will continue to do so under the new plan, according to the park's own environmental impact statement. It is a national park and we're in the middle of a climate crisis and an extinction crisis. The public is overwhelmingly opposed to continuing ranching there, but the plan of record is everything the ranchers have asked for and opposite to all the public outcry. Why? The answer is the heavily entrenched status quo, which has extraordinary political influence by the ranching families who want to continue their sweetheart taxpayer subsidized deals. This is the Marin royalty and their influence covers the board of supervisors, Marin Agricultural Land Trust, the Marin IJ editorial board, the, who you work for, uh, Representative Huffman, Senator Feinstein, and who knows who else. Um, I, I mean... How do you how do you read? Is that an accurate read of the political landscape there in Marin? I mean, it does seem quite unusual that this amount of ranching would have continued to be uh, extended long past sort of the original leaseholds that these ranchers had uh, in the park. Yeah, I think that's that's uh, it, it, an interesting, important point to bring up is is the history of the leasing of these ranches. I mean, to really get a full scope of this issue, we need to go back to 1962 when President Kennedy signed the legislation to establish the park. And at that time, much of that area was privately owned. So the federal government appropriated about $60 million over the next decade to buy out these ranchers' property. At the same time, it also set aside about 26,000 acres of land where some of the ranchers, if they decided to, could continue to, to lease land within the park. And at that time, they were given initial the terms of about 25 years on these leases. Um, there, there was some... Uh, differences in the different types of agreements that could be in place, but it was meant to be a limited time. But that changed in the late 1970s. Congress decided to amend this and allow the ranchers to continue operating under five to 10 year leases. And that's been going on ever since. So um, environmentalists are saying essentially the, the original intent of, of, of Congress, that they essentially the federal government has reneged on its original intent on what they would plan to do with Point Reyes, and really that this violates the the charter for the National Park Service to preserve natural resources. Mm. We're talking about an upcoming federal decision on land use at Point Reyes, pitting ranchers against environmentalists with Will Houston, a reporter with the Marin Independent Journal. And you can give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We are at KQED Forum. Or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. There is a question from um, listener Stephen, which I think you may have just covered, but just let's go over it just in case. What was the original time length specified for ranching when the land was purchased? And if it was in perpetuity, which I don't think it was, why was the land purchased at all? What did the Park Service get in return for the money? So they received, so essentially what they, uh, they actually spent money to buy the ranches um, at the time. So they were given these 25 year terms to allow them to continue ranching. It was a really a, a political hot, like, a really heated political battle at the time on, on when this was happening. And hmm. so really the, the intent was 
to garner enough support to actually create this national parkland to protect this area that was being eyed for development uh, uh, back in the 1960s was, uh, was really to get the ranchers on board. And this was one avenue to do that. And the original intent was, well, eventually we're going to, we'll give them a, a limited time frame when they could operate here. But of course, Congress worked to eventually uh, extended the leases up to these five to 10 year terms. And um, one important part of this in recent history is, uh, is actually uh, the Drake's Bay Oyster Company. Some mm -hmm. people might remember this, uh, uh, another heated battle back in 2012. Uh, back when these leases were giving out, be, being given out, they were given a 40-year lease. But in 2012, the National Park Service decided not to renew it. And that um, they, they decided to bring that, they wanted to return that land back to the, the natural environment. At the same time, Obama's interior secretary, Ken Zalazar, when that decision was made, made a promise to the cattle and dairy ranchers to provide them longer leases. Hmm. That way, the argument was it's to give these ranchers more financial security, as well as to um, allow them to make investments. The ranchers say this will help them to make investments in the park, especially ones, too, that will work to, to address environmental impacts and concerns that have been raised, especially in these last several years. Got it. Let's bring in Paul from Berkeley into the conversation. Welcome to the show, Paul. Oh, hey, good. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, you know, I've been visiting Point Reyes since the 1970s. And, you know, when I first came there, it was just so lush and so wonderful. You go there now and it is so clearly overgrazed from top to bottom. Um, and, you know, the oyster company lost its lease because it was just the oyster company. But the, the ranchers seem to have far more political clout. And they've been paid for that land, and they don't care about it any longer, and they're degrading it. They're taking as much profit out of it as they possibly can by putting as many cattle on the land as they possibly can. And now they want to kill the tule elk. And this is really it's, – it's, it's a – the description that the reporter is, has been making is just a it's a textbook um, political corruption case. I mean, the, the, that they have the influence to get various congressmen, administrations and so forth to to. Oh, well, we'll con we made you promises. We're going to give you the land and the water for free and you can stay forever or another 40 years is is just um, a classic um, political power. Thank you, and, Paul. And uh, meanwhile, the land is suffering. Yeah. Thank you, Paul, from Berkeley. Um, I, Will, I wanted to ask you whether any studies have been done about land use degradation over time. I mean, presumably in the environmental impact statement, which, you know, probably <laughs> hundreds of pages long, there's some scientific study that's been done on on the effect of the cattle on the land. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, of course, cattle, cattle ranching and uh, everywhere, there's, there's issues, um, especially related to, to water quality, greenhouse gas emissions. Um, recently, uh, there was a lot of the focus recently has been on water quality out uh, in the seashore. And um, there was a study recently done by one of the opponents of the ranchers uh, and that looked at uh, water quality at several creeks and streams that haven't been tested by the Park Service since 2013. And they found significant high levels of uh, bacterial uh, contamination, mm -hmm. um, some, some up to 400 times the, the allowed amount from the state. Um, there, of course, is nuance with these, these water quality tests uh, when they're taken. And there's also debate that there needs to be long-term monitoring of these. 
of these uh, waterways in order to really draw conclusions on them. But uh, at the same time, there's these, these tests are showing these, this high contamination out there. And there's been questions about whether the park is doing enough to really assess the, the environmental damage yeah. caused by, by ranchers. Gotcha. Thanks so much. Uh, I'd like to bring in Lucian from San Francisco. Hello. Hello. Hey, how are you? Welcome to the show. Good, thanks. Yeah, no, I had a question about the environmental uh, impact study about the oyster farm. And I I have a feeling people didn't understand there was a synergy between the the cattle ranching and the uh, oysters. Because if you kayaked around the oyster beds, you could see they were cleaning the water. And I think once they removed the oyster farm, it only accelerated this um, water degradation issue within uh, Drake's Estero. And I'd, I'd, I'd like, I know Will's a journalist. I have a lot of friends in the environmental community. I count myself as one, but I, I kind of digress on this. I, I think the, the study on the oyster farm wasn't nuanced enough. And do you have a comment? Sure. Yeah, Will, let's hear it. What do you think? Well, I wasn't around to cover the Drake's Bay incident. That was before my time here. But the point about the oysters and, and their effects on water quality, um, having covered uh, oyster farms up in Humboldt County before, um, yes, there is a, they, they are seen as a, a filtering uh, species that could, could provide aid to the water quality and uh, overall. But um, as, to, as far as Drake's Bay, uh, my, I, I, I'm not fully aware of, of, of the full study on that one. Gotcha. Um, we have different comments coming in on both sides of this issue. Robert writes, ranching is not appropriate in a national park, and it's an appropriate use of eminent domain to buy them out. Will writes, if the dairies were not advocating shoot of, shooting native tule elk, that might be another matter, but they do. Farms don't fit in national parks. And Cynthia writes, I'd like to hear from ranchers. Strauss Dairy, for example, has been an innovator in environmentally sensitive dairy production, including pollution control. Also breaking the agreements with ranchers could threaten later agreements. This is not the only case where a change from private to public has included grazing management. Um, so, Will, give us the outlook over the next few months. What are, what are we really waiting to see here and what changes could occur actually on the ground in the park? So right now uh, we're waiting on this September 13th decision. This is the drop dead deadline for the National Park Service to make a decision on this. And uh, should they approve the plan, uh, I I highly doubt that there's going to be much change in the meantime because environmental groups who have opposed this plan from the beginning have, I'd say they will strongly oppose this plan. And it's likely to, to lead to litigation again uh, just based on the comments and and the attention on this issue. So um, I don't expect to see any changes on the ground here in, in any time soon in the coming months. Got it. Last thing, we don't have time to go to the caller, but just quickly, the uh, caller, Kenneth, wants to talk about fire prevention and that perhaps the cattle by grazing are reducing the amount of fuel load. Is that another argument that the ranchers are making? From the ranchers I've spoken to, that's not really their, the, the main argument on there, but they do say that they have worked as stewards of the land for a long time. While, of course, there is debate among that about whether or not they are actually doing benefiting the land in the end. But essentially what the ranchers are saying is if they get these longer leases of up to 20 years, that will allow them to make the significant investments to, to, prevent, uh, to prevent essentially environmental damage, whether or not it's from uh, water quality impacts to... to being able to reduce fuel loads out in the national seashore so their, their main argument is give us the time 
and we will make the changes necessary and, and improve the land even further. Great. Whether or not that is actually uh, something that the environmentalists will agree with uh, is, is yet to be seen. We've been talking about an upcoming federal decision on land use at Point Reyes, pitting ranchers against environmentalists with Will Houston, reporter with the Marin Independent Journal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum with guest host Leslie McClurg. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.